But I want to dive in today, and we have been covering, if you're new, the Shoulder of Giants series. We've been looking at women of faith in the scriptures uh, who have been really, they're really giants of our faith. The first week we looked at Sarah. Uh, she is uh, Abraham's uh, wife and the mother of, of Isaac. And uh, we then looked, at last, the week after that was Ruth. Uh, and then last week, Rahab. And today we're going to conclude with a woman from the New Testament, uh, the mother of Jesus, Mary. Uh, and my hope is we, we open up the scriptures and we look at Mary's life. Uh, you know, there's lots of perspectives on Mary in, in, in the Christian church even. Uh, some have viewed her as divine, uh, which we don't subscribe to that belief. Uh, but then some, uh, you know, have, have sort of undervalued Mary and her contribution to our faith uh, beyond just birthing the Son of God, uh, Jesus. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 1 today. Um, there's a lot in the Gospels about Mary. Uh, Luke 2 is one you commonly hear on Christmas time. That's when Jesus was born. Uh, but Luke 1, it, it shares when Gabriel, the angel, came and delivered the message that she would carry Jesus. And uh, this is a profound moment in Scripture. It's the beginning of Luke's account of the gospel. And uh, there's a lot in this, 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 this passage. I would encourage you to read it for yourself that we can, we can draw uh, from her life and really stand on the shoulders of this giant of our faith and really experience all that God has for us. And her, 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 her life is, is very significant, I think, too, in navigating seasons that can seem uncertain, in navigating seasons where we may be facing some unknown uh, ahead of us, because Mary was very much in that season where there was a lot of unknown ahead of her. There was uncertainty, not just culturally and in her community, but in her life. And we can draw some principles of her life of how she navigated this season of uncertainty that I think we can apply to our own life today. But let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time that we get to come before you. As we open up your word, it truly is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I pray that you would speak through my words today, God. I pray that we would posture our hearts and our minds to receive from you. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look Luke 1, if you have your Bibles uh, or your smart devices. Um, and uh, Luke 1, 26 through 38, we're going to read some scripture. If you don't have it, it'll be on the screens as well. It says this in the, in the verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town of Galilee. The virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Uh, that word pledged to be married, uh, some translations use the word betrothed. To give context, the meaning of that was greater than our American definition of engagement. Uh, that, that to be betrothed or to be pledged to be married, that at that point, once you pledge to marry someone, you would be referred to as wife and husband. Uh, it was essentially a, a much greater degree of a commitment, uh, really right next to marriage. So to give context of how significant it was, that, that culturally, in many ways, her and Joseph were, would already be viewed um, very close to being married. So it says this, uh, the, the, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Um, as you would if an angel appeared to you tomorrow. <laughs> she was like, what, what's happening here? Uh, but the angel said, Don't be afraid. Mary, you found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never 
end. Come on, can we get an amen? The kingdom of God will never end. Every other kingdom will. Every other government will fall. Every other kingdom of this world will fall, but the kingdom of God knows no end. How will this be, she asked. She says, I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, uh, one to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. That child is, is John the Baptist, uh, if you're familiar with scriptures. And she was, who, who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Mary then says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. We're going to look at three uh, principles from her life uh, that are biblical, that we can apply to our own life. And I want to challenge us today. And here's the first one I want to challenge you to do that we see Mary do. And that is first, is to seek and to surrender to God's will. Uh, she, she, when, the, when the angel comes to her, she asks her, well, how will this be? How, how will I be pregnant because I am a virgin? And, and this question, when you, when, upon first reading, a thought I even had before was, was she sort of, was she sort of expressing disbelief? Like, like, so how are you going to do that, Gabriel? Like, like, how's God going to impregnate me because I'm a virgin? Like, how is this going to happen? How am I going to bring about Jesus because I'm a virgin? But the question was not one of, of, of disbelief or one of skepticism. It was one of that, like a child of curiosity. Come on, parents, you can relate. Uh, oftentimes with my own kids, I get so many questions like, why is the sun bright? It's like, I don't know. You know, like, why is it dark at night? You know, why is, you know, all these questions. And I'd be like, hold on, let me ask Google. You know, my kids think I'm a genius because they don't know about Google yet. Like, Dad, it's so smart. You're, you're right, you're right. Um... If I, I saw this meme, maybe you've seen it, and it said, uh, it said, I had a picture of Yoda sleeping. It was when Yoda died in the Star Wars movies, and it says, I never quite understood how Yoda died when Luke was asking him questions, but now that I have children, I now understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, sorry, I digress. Um, but it was a question of curiosity. Like, my kids, when they ask questions, they're, like, wanting to know. They're trying to figure the world out, like, why, why is the sun bright, Dad? Like, we want to know, why, how do things happen, Dad? And Mary was asking the angel, like, hey, I want to be in alignment with the will of God. So you, can you tell me, is there a little more information you can, you can give me about this so I can be in alignment with the will of God for my life? That, that was the posture of, of, of Mary in this moment, of curiosity. It reminds me of Jeremiah 29, 13 where Jeremiah is speaking to the Israelites who were in Babylon, a very uncertain time. They were in exile. And he says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That means to have an undivided heart. It, it means that, that there's, no other, there's no other desire competing with your desire to please God. And just a side note, as you follow Christ, you will be confronted with the other desires of your heart. In fact, it was Jesus himself, even referring to money, says, you can't serve me and money. you got to choose one of us. There'll be moments in that word. So, so to be undivided, meaning, meaning God's saying, Don't, do not seek me and work success. Do not seek me and wealth, me and family. Seek me with your whole heart, with everything. I'll be wondering, what, Jeremy, why, why is that important? And why, why would... 
Why do we need to seek him with our entire heart? Because, because God wants this undivided, uh, pure pursuit of him. He wants to be the Lord of your life. See, two verses later, he, he told the Israelites a scripture, many of you know, some of you maybe have this, this scripture on the background of your phone or posted somewhere. Maybe you go to your grandmother's house, she has this on the wall somewhere. You, maybe if you've been around church, you know this verse, for I know the plans I have for you. Declare the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you. What you don't see on those placards that this was said while they were in exile, <laughs> experiencing pain, <laughs> experiencing hardship. But he says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. And how do you, how do you experience that prosperous plan? Seek me with all of your heart. You don't seek the plan. You seek the one who gives you the plan. You don't seek prosperity. You seek the one who can give you prosperity. You don't seek job success. You seek the one who gave you the ability to work in the first place. You don't seek a relationship. You seek the one who spoke the road into existence that you couldn't have a relationship if he didn't think of you. Undivided. Pure. God, you. God, you. And can I say, listen, I, I want to challenge you. Ask yourself. I'm doing this personally. Listen, none of us have arrived. Here's the beautiful thing with following Christ. Nobody has, has passed into graduation. <laughs> We're all on a journey. We're all seeking him. We're all following him. But ask yourself, God, is there any in my heart, is there anything else I'm seeking over you? Is there anything I'm putting, I'm putting that, that sometimes compete with you? So then she says, so, so he shares the plan with her. And then, just on a side note too, um, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. That, that word in the Greek, it literally refers to a divine protection. Can I tell you, when you are in the will of God... Uh, in fact, the will of God may not always be easy. In fact, a lot of times it will be uncomfortable. But it's the safest place you can be spiritually. It's the most fulfilling place you can be. It's not saying that everything will be up and to the right and God will keep blessing you and give you a bigger house and more money and great relationships. It actually, if you look at most of the disciples in the New Testament, they got murdered for their faith. But can I tell you, we don't live for this kingdom. We live for a kingdom we cannot see. We live for him. We seek to glorify him. Okay, I'm preaching better than y'all responding, but that's okay, though. You know how I do. I bring my encouragement in my own mind. I'm encouraging myself. I'm amening myself right now in my head. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. She says, may your word be fulfilled. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, yeah, well, Man, if my kids were the son of God, I'd be like, have your way too, because my kids, sure enough, ain't the son of God. <laughs> but, but here you got to understand the context. There was a law on the books in that day that if you got pregnant outside of that with someone who was, who was not your husband, the penalty was death. That you could be put to death. So should, number one, she, she, she was facing the risk of physical death. Number two, she was facing the risk of Joseph rejecting her. Come on, how many know if like your, your fiance comes home with a little bump, right? And she's like, the Holy Spirit's overshadowed me. Like what? The Holy Spirit? Because <laughs> this was the first time it ever happened. 
Are you following me, church? So she's risking rejection by Joseph. Not to mention, in fact, as I was studying for the message, again, there's, there's much unknown. So I always want to be clear what's, what's clear in Scripture and what's unclear. And here's what, what kind of most scholars presume as they look at, at the biblical account as well as extra-biblical historical accounts, that more than likely Mary was fa- faced cultural shame because of her pregnancy. Because mind you, in that day and age, there were many You remember the scripture where people would say, oh, no good thing can come from Nazareth? Many in Jesus' own hometown didn't believe he was the son of God. So she faced, even after he was born, she faced shame from her own neighbors, community members around her. So she was risking a lot, but she says, may your word be fulfilled, God. May we have the kind of faith, church, that when God speaks, even if it's hard, even if it's difficult, even if it's costly, we say, God, may your word be fulfilled filled in my life because I don't live for me. I live for you. And, and here, 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 this is what James says in James 1, James, the brother of Jesus. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, let me free somebody up. There is no one in this room, including myself, who is doing every part of the word of God fully and completely. If you are, your name is Jesus, and we're so glad you're here. So let me take that pressure off you. No one is is acing this. We're all on a journey together. Are you following me? But then he says this, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law, referring to the word of God, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed that word blessed is a fulfillment. It's a, it's a deep happiness, not this artificial happiness, but this deep sense of fulfillment in your soul. They'll be blessed in what they do. That word intently there, it means to, 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 to kind of look, to inquire, to focus. Let me give you a picture, kind of a metaphor. Uh, he mentions looking in the mirror. You know, when, if you go on a, to an important meeting, maybe it's a first date with someone. Maybe some of you have had this this weekend or you go into an interview, or maybe it's your first day at a new job. I was talking to someone in first service. They just started a new job. You know when you leave the house to go to that important meeting? You know you look a little bit longer at yourself in the mirror? Anybody else? And then you're like, how long have those nose hairs been there? Right? You're like, I need to trim those. (laughs) Then you realize by the length, probably seven weeks, but you haven't been noticing it. Or when did I put only seven pounds? Like, how did they get there? You notice things when you look intently, right? That you don't notice, uh, you don't notice when you don't look intently. So here's what he's saying. I want you to look at that same intense intention at the word of God. That you don't merely hear a message on a Sunday and be like, that was a good word, pastor, and go on. But you take notes. You review it. You go back to the word yourself. You know what, I, you know what my, my favorite things as a pastor personally, is when someone asks me a question about the message after the message. Because you know what that tells me? You're looking intently at the word. It's not about me or my message. It's about the word. I want you to look intently at it. I want you to study it. I want you to process it. I want you to what is this? what's this word saying to me so I can put it into practice? But, but later in Luke 1, Mary sings a praise to God. We're going to come back to this. But, but she first recounts 
the faithfulness of God throughout generations. Here's what she says, verse 50. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the wrench away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants, just as he had promised our ancestors. And here's what this tells us. That Mary knew the word of God. She knew the history of God. It reminds me of the psalmist said in Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart so I might not sin against you. Speaking to God. That word sin merely means to miss the mark. In this context, you can say to miss God's will. Do you know a lot of times what we call intuition is actually the result and the overflow of what you stored in your heart. That's why Romans 12, 2, Apostle Paul says, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve God's perfect and pleasing will. Why? Because you stored the word in your heart. Now, sometimes we can read poetic verses like that and say, that's beautiful, Jeremy. Now, how do I store the word in my heart? You know what I thought of this week as I was praying about the message? Remember at college, some of you just, just walked through this, final exams, come on. Uh, some of you are still reeling from the trauma of final exams. Uh, but I remember final exams, come on, I remember going to the library, and I, you break out the textbook, you're like rewriting the textbook to remember it, come on. Um, you're asking your friend for notes because you didn't take notes, come on, anybody else like that? You're like, you had that one friend who you knew always took notes, you know, they're like, they're like the real type A person, you're like, hey, can I just glance your notes for a second? photocopy you know well I guess now you can take pictures of your phone that shows you how old I was we had a photocopy back in the day in college um and 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 you you come on you make flashcards with key terminology can anybody else do that I never did that um but but bless y'all I did you're very organized um and then you would uh, you would even get in study groups come on remember the study groups you'd share you talk about it why because you want to store the information about your biochemistry class in your mind so it comes out of your mind when you take the exam. In the same way, store the word of God in your heart. So what's it mean? You listen to a message on Sunday, you take notes, you review it on Monday. You read through the Bible, you talk about the word with your community group, with your spouse, with your roommate. You're sharing about the word, you're praying over the word, you're diving into books about the word, you're studying the word. Listen, if you're a follower of Christ, hear my heart. You do not just eat food on Sunday. Don't just eat the bread of life on Sunday. Don't eat the word just on Sunday. Listen, your spirit needs to be nourished every single day. And for some of you, hear my heart, hear my heart. Some of you, it's time to move beyond the verse of the day on the Bible app. You need to study the word of God. You need to read the scriptures. You need to invest in some commentaries. You need to study the word of God. This isn't just for pastors. This is for us as followers of Christ. So you follow me, church? I know I'm challenging a little bit, but I, I want God's best for your life. And the Bible says, if you look intently and you'll do it, you'll be blessed. Blessed. Look intently at the word. God, what are you saying to me? And then have the posture of Mary. Let your word be fulfilled, regardless of what it costs me. You know what I found? The more you get to know God, the less following God feels risky. 
Because you know his character and you know his nature. It's like my kids, when they're climbing on something at the playground and I ask them to jump into my arms, do you know, they are less scared now to jump off the playground into my arms because they have a history with their father. So when you have a history with God and God says, I want you to do this, I trust you because I've seen your faithfulness. And as you get to know the word of God, you can be just like Mary. Oh, you are faithful to Abraham and Sarah. You'll be faithful to me. You are faithful with Ruth and Naomi. You'll be faithful with me. You are faithful to Rahab. You'll be faithful with me. You are faithful to Mary. You'll be faithful to me. Because he's the same God yesterday and today and forevermore. He does not change. He cannot change. He is good and what he does is good. You can trust God at his word. And that's what she says. I trust you. But let's be a people who, who trust God at his word, who store the word in our hearts. Seek and surrender to God's will. Ask yourself, even ask God to search your heart. God, is there anything else in my heart I've been seeking? And repent. Do you know one of the most powerful things you can do as a follower of Christ is to repent? You know what repent is? I know some of you may have a negative connotation with church and repentance has a negative connotation. Here's what repent means. It means I was going this direction. So I was going my own way. I was following what culture says. And now I turn around and I go towards God. And what does James say? Blessed you'll be if you'll do so. It won't always be easy. It won't always be comfortable. It will cost you something, but it is so worth it. Because there is nothing more fulfilling in this life than being in the will of God. Here's number two. Is, is we got to seek and surrender to God's will, but then we lean into close Christian community. I want you to check this. Verse 39 of Luke 1. At the time, Mary got, got ready and hurried into the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. I love that Mary... When she gets this word, again, uh, probably based upon the, the nature of the information from Gabriel, there's probably part excitement, but there's also probably partial fear. And I love what the Bible says. She hurried. She received this word. She didn't stay by herself. Come on, anybody else, when you get overwhelmed, you like, I've been there. So this, there's no condemnation. And you think like, Okay, you like, you like stay in your thoughts and you're like fighting in your head like, oh my gosh, what should I do? What should I do? And you're just, and, and let's, take a, let's take a page out of Mary's book. Hurry to a close Christian friend. Like, like run, like go, like pick up the phone, call them. Like, hey, an angel's appeared in my room and I'm freaking out. You know what I'm saying? Like, help me. Uh, and, and, and I love this in this moment because here's what Elizabeth says. And this is what happened. This is the benefit of godly community, is that Elizabeth, when she when she comes in, the, the spirit of God fills Elizabeth. John the Baptist leaps in her womb, and she says, "Blessed are you, blessed are you." What is Mary? What does Elizabeth do in this moment? Elizabeth confirms the call upon Mary's life. 
That is one of the benefits. Listen, I believe this because I look at it scripturally. You cannot truly fulfill the complete destiny God has for you apart from godly community. Listen, let, let's remove our Western lens. This is a question I always ask yourself when you read scripture. Am I interpreting my, my context, the culture I'm in, through the lens of scripture? Or am I interpreting scripture through the lens of my culture? Because we live in an American culture, and we love independence. We got, a, we, got a, we got a day called Independence Day. Like, we love independence. Can I tell you, do you know what a theme of the Bible is? Interdependence. Do you know when we see people called into their, into their calling, into their promise of God, it is never about me. It's always about we. So this idea of, man, I got my vision from God. Let me go run. And do it all by myself, right? That's the American way. That, that, that is not scriptural, though. It is always in the context of community. Look throughout scripture. Look, look at people as they, as they uh, there was always in the context of a community. Listen, here's, here's why. Because there are some days, and the enemy, will, the enemy will attack you in your mind, and there's some days that you will stop believing in the promise that God spoke to you. You'll stop believing in the very word that you know is true in your heart, but then sometimes the enemy messes with your mind and you'll stop believing. Listen, sometimes you need a friend who believes in you more than you believe in you. You need a friend who can say, hey, listen, I know you're discouraged. I know that relationship didn't end. But listen, I believe this over your life and call forth the gift over your life. Speak value over your life. Pray for you. Can I tell you one of the greatest gifts my close friends give to me? is when they text me and say, hey, I'm praying for you. I feel it in my spirit. You need somebody who can come around you and pray for you and encourage you that you can call and you can say, I'm having a terrible day. I'm stopping and believing in myself. I, I don't know if I believe this dream anymore. I don't know if I believe this vision anymore. And they can say, hey, listen, you may not believe it, but I do. And you need people in your life who are filled with the Spirit of God, like Elizabeth, grounded in the Word of God, who are not going to just share some cultural idiom or philosophy, but they're going to point back to the words that will never fail, the words that have stood the test of time, the Word of God in the kingdom of God that knows no end. And they're like, no, no, pick your head up, because the same God then is the same God today. And he was faithful then, he'll be faithful now. And you're saying, okay, I got this. I got this. You need you, Elizabeth. Here, can I, can, I, can, I, can I rewind a little bit? Let me rewind it. You need to be in Elizabeth. A lot of times you can come into church, and we can focus on what I want, what I need. You can hear somebody, oh, I need Elizabeth. Can I tell you, if you need Elizabeth, be in Elizabeth. Do you need encouragement today? Pick up the phone when you leave here and call a friend and encourage the mess out of them. Do you want someone praying for you in your dream? Pray for someone today. Do for others what you want done for you. Don't, don't wait and say, well, I, I want an Elizabeth. I, I, I need someone. Be that someone. Here's what I found. When you be that someone, you, your life will be filled with that type of someone's. You need to take the first step and begin encouraging somebody else. Do for somebody else what you want done for you. That wasn't even in my notes. That was free. You're welcome. You're welcome. Now, that's the Lord. It wasn't me. But then it says this in verse 56, that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, then returned home. So here's what we know. Mary, or Elizabeth, was six months pregnant when Mary came. 
Mary's with her for three months, the third trimester of the pregnancy. Now, I've never been pregnant. However, I've observed them. And here's what I have seen in my three children, that in the last trimester, things can get uncomfortable for a woman. Women are nodding their head right now. And what I imagine, I'm sure there were some nights, Elizabeth's like, hey, listen, Mary, my feet are killing me. I got that lotion over there. Can you just rub them? <laughs> right? Like, like, I think Mary was there because there were some needs. I think it wasn't just this one-way relationship. Yeah, I think Elizabeth was confirming the call of God in her life. Yeah, I think Elizabeth was, was encouraging Mary. We see in the scriptures. But I also think Mary, catch this, again, the, 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 the emotional, uh, probably, the very, the very emotions that Mary was feeling. And in that moment, here's what I found. In the hard seasons of life especially, we can sometimes focus too much on our own self and our own suffering. And I love what Mary does. She takes her eyes off of herself and she puts it onto Elizabeth. Here's what the Apostle Paul did. This is further scriptural evidence of this principle. Philippians 2. If you ever want to be encouraged, read the book of Philippians. You want to know why? Paul wrote this in jail from Rome. And the nature of his letter wasn't... And he was in jail... In Rome, because he worshiped Jesus. If you think you're having a bad day, it ain't that bad like Paul. <laughs> because you, you can worship Jesus and no one's going to come up in here and arrest you. He's in jail for his faith. Now, if I was Paul and I wrote a letter, I'd be like, hey, it's your boy. I need about 50K for bail. <laughs> Give me an Uber. I'm released at noon tomorrow. 50K, here's my cash app. You know what I'm saying? But Paul writes nothing about himself. Read Philippians. He doesn't say, hey, do this for me. No, it's all, what does he do? While in Rome in prison, he's serving other people. Some of you right now feel stuck in your own prison. And the best thing you can do is serve somebody else. Some of you right now are going through it. You're saying, Jeremy, I'm going through a hard season right now. You don't know what I'm walking through. Can I tell you, perhaps the best antidote for your hardship is to serve somebody else. The best antidote for your suffering is to, is to say, you know what? I'm going to take my eyes off myself and my own pain for a moment, and I'm going to serve someone else in their promise. And can I tell you, watch God do something on the inside of you. Watch him begin to heal some places on the inside of you as you serve someone else. Here's what he says in Philippians 2. He says, in the same, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. You know, there are 54 one another's in the scripture. And you know, every of the 54, one another's involve denying yourself. Denying yourself to serve somebody else. Can I tell you, it's not popular. It's not sexy in our culture. But the best thing you can do sometimes in your worst case scenario, in your pain, in your misery, in your suffering, is to serve someone else. Get your eyes off yourself and be generous. The Bible says the generous will prosper your soul prospers when you get your eyes off yourself. Why is the Bible filled with scriptures about serving and giving? Because it's best for you. 
If you feel stuck, if you feel, even two weeks ago, I had a few days where I was feeling discouraged. And I, I was processing with the Lord about it in my prayer time. You know what the Lord told me? In fact, what I put, you put in my heart is, is he began to put people on my heart to reach out to, to encourage, to serve, to pray for. And can I tell you, something in my spirit changed. Some of you need to hear this because you're having a hard time right now. You need to stop wallowing in self-pity. Listen, this comes out of compassion. And you need to serve somebody else today. You need to love someone else. You need to care for somebody else. Can I tell you, God will do something in your spirit that no medication or therapy can. And I'm pro both of those when you need them. But I'm telling you, serve somebody else and watch God do something on the inside of you. Lean into Christian community. Serve those around you. Here's the last point. It's to glorify God in all seasons. Glorify God in all seasons. Mary in verse 46, she says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, and the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Do you know when, when, when Mary refers to herself as servant, the actual word in the original Greek is the word maidservant. It's not a phrase we use in our current culture a lot. But a maidservant in that culture, they never, according to what I, my research, they never acted on their own will. They only acted on the will of their master. Hear what she says? I'm your servant, meaning I no longer have. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, not my will. Can I say this for a second? I found this in my own life. And maybe not you, but I just want I, maybe I feel led to share this. Sometimes if we're not careful, and I've done this, so this is a public confession, I will pray for God to bless my will. I'll say, God, this is what I want. Will you do this in Jesus' name? You know what I found in prayer? A better posture, and actually more biblical posture, is not saying, God, here's what I went. Bring it to pass. It's saying, God. What do you want? What's your will for my life? I'm your humble servant. I know it's not popular. I, I, I know it's not American even. But can I tell you, it's kingdom. Can I tell you, it's biblical. Can I tell you, he's worth it. Can I tell you, he's worthy. Can I tell you, not your will, his be done. And can I tell you, his will is better than your will anyway. Hebrews 13, 15 says, let us, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God. Mary praises God in this moment. And I think there's so much to glean from this because, again, there's great risks she's, she's facing. Obviously, great blessing by, by bringing forth Jesus into the world. And she praises God. And I was reminded of that scripture of Hebrews 13, 15 because... It says, let us offer a continual. Here's what that means. It means unconditional. Uh, sacrifice, which means sometimes you don't feel like it. it. Here's what that means. It means that you praise God when you're healthy, and you praise God when you're sick. You praise God when you're wealthy, and you praise God when you're in debt. 
You praise God when your marriage is great and you praise God when it's full of tension. You praise God when you're feeling lonely and you're single longing to be married and you praise God when that marriage comes. You praise God when you're on it, when you're having a hard time having a child and you praise God when that blessing comes. You praise God in every season, every circumstance, every moment, continual and it's not conditional, and it's not a feeling. We don't come into to the presence of God. This is why we start a service with praise and say, man, I'm feeling great today. I'm ready to praise God. No, we say, God, you are worthy of all honor. You are worthy of all glory. You are worthy of all praise. You don't have to do a thing for me. You don't have to do one more thing. You don't have to answer one more prayer. You've already done enough and I praise you. This is why we gather. We don't say, man, I feel good today. Let me go to church. Sometimes the moment that you don't feel at all like praising God, that's the moment to praise him. Sometimes the times I have felt the presence of God the most real has been when I've been in pain. And I praised him anyway. I said, God, I don't feel it right now. I don't feel it, but I'm going to do it. You know, David in his old age in Psalm 103, he wrote this psalm. He says, praise the Lord, my soul, my inmost being. I love that because what that refers to is praise is not a posture of the lips. It's a posture of your heart. The lips is the overflow. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. Forget not all his benefits. If you're ever having a hard time praising God, remember his benefits. Here, let David help you. Who forgives all of your sins. He heals all of your diseases. He redeemed your life from the pit. He crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Remember, watch out. I almost got hurt there. Did you see that? I got too excited. Listen. If you're having a hard time praising God, if you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling down, saying, God, I praise you with my inmost being because you've forgiven all of my sin. I have eternal life because of you. I don't deserve it. So, God, you are worthy of my praise. It's a sacrifice of praise. Sacrifice of praise. She says, she says, she says she glorifies God. That word glorifies, it literally means to make great. You know, we have a culture that is, that is maybe borderline obsessed with greatness. We, we love greatness, right? We, we talk about the GOAT. Either the GOAT, the greatest of all time. By the way, we all know Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. We do know that, right? Just be clear. LeBron is proving again MJ is the greatest. It's not biblical. It's my opinion. But I have the microphone. He is the great. Watch the last dance. Uh... She glorifies God. To make great, it means to, 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 to give him room in your life. Psalm 115.1, my last scripture, it says, the psalmist writes, not to us, Lord, not to us, but your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. That word glory, the root word is the word kabod. 
The word kabod means weight. It means heaviness. And, and, and here's the question I want to ask you. Are you giving God proper weight in your life? And, and, and the scripture is clear that, that and, and as we have already seen in Mary's life and we've seen in other scriptures, God is, he's a jealous God in this sense. He's the only one that should be on the throne of our lives. He wants an undivided pursuit of him. And to give him proper weight, let me make it real practical. Are you allowing God to weigh in on your decisions? When you manage your finances, when you set your budget for the month, do you allow God to weigh in? Can I get, bring that real practical? I know I might step on some toes, but listen, I'm not here to appease people, including myself. I'm here to give you the word of God because he's worthy and he's worthy of all honor and praise and he's worthy of the truth. Listen, if, if in your finances, in your budget, you cannot tithe to God, then you're living above your means. If, if you can't give him time in prayer and in the scripture every day, you have too full of a life. If, 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 if it's like, if, if church and God, I know I'm preaching the choir today, but if gathering in church is like, well, I'll go to church if I don't have brunch and our kids don't have a soccer game. That's not the proper weight. Are you hearing me, church? Not to us. Not to my kids' soccer future. Not to my social activity. Not to my career. Not to my side hustle. Not to my education. Not to my success. Not to my wealth. To you be the glory and honor forever and ever. Are you giving it proper weight in your life? Again, there's no condemnation if you're not. But I'm calling us to something better because he's a good father. We can trust him at his word. As Mary, trust him at his word. And listen, church, my role as a pastor is not just to, to help provide direction for this life. But one day you're going to stand before Christ himself, the King of kings and the Lord of lords where the angels are declaring holy, 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 holy are you. And here's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And can I tell you, that's not contingent upon your resume or the wealth that you build or the success you have. That is contingent upon God said this and I said, have your way in my life. Let's pray.